Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of No Rain Date. I'm Josh Popachak, the publisher of Sock and Source and your host for No Rain Date. And it's my pleasure to bring you the latest headlines from the Sock and Valley for this week, which is the week ending November 21st, 2020. There was big news in the recreation department this week with the opening, the official opening of the Upper Bucks Rail Trail. That happened on Thursday with a ribbon-cutting ceremony that was held at a new trailhead in Richland Township. The trailhead is behind Richland Township Fire and Rescue off Shelley Road. It's a beautiful new trail. It's 3.2 miles long. It extends from the Lehigh-Bucks County line south to Veterans Park in Richland Township. Veterans Park is on East Pumping Station Road, about a mile or so north of Quakertown. For Saucon Valley residents, this is especially exciting because the Upper Bucks Rail Trail picks up where the Saucon Rail Trail ends now in Coopersburg. So with this opening, it basically means that you can walk, run, bike all the way from Hellertown down to Richland Township. And the Saucon Rail Trail obviously is about seven and a half miles long. It opened in 2011. It's a very popular recreational resource in the Saucon Valley and the Southern Lehigh areas. We've had some great weather this fall and I drive by it or cross it every day and I always look to see how many people are on it. And many days it's been a lot of people. Certainly there's plenty of room to social distance on the trail, which is another reason I think it's become even more popular in 2020. People want to get outside, get away from their stresses for a while. It's also a beautiful place to observe nature and it's flat for the most part. So it's it's very accessible even if somebody maybe has some mobility issues. The new Upper Bucks Rail Trail is ADA compliant. Of course, that's a great thing. It will be open in the daytime, dawn till dusk, which is the the same as the Saucon Rail Trail. If you need to, if you want to check it out, the new parking area, like I said, is at behind Richland Township Fire and Rescue. Another exciting piece of information that was disclosed at the ribbon cutting was that Local officials are now in negotiation with SEPTA, which owns the former rail line, to extend the Upper Bucks Rail Trail another two miles south into the center of Quakertown Borough. Now, what that's going to do is it's going to help make Quakertown sort of a, a regional hub for rail trails because another rail trail, the Liberty Bell Trail, is coming in from the south into town. So that's obviously going to be great for Quakertown's economy. It's great for the Upper Bucks economy to have this as another attraction in the area. 
we encourage you to, to check it out. And unfortunately, this time of year, there's not as much daylight to enjoy uh, outdoor activities, but we're still getting some nice days. Even in the wintertime, when there's snow on it, it, it might be a nice place just to get outside on a sunny day, bird watching. You'll probably see some other wildlife in the area, and, and it's just great to get some exercise. In news from Fountain Hill Borough, we reported this week that the borough is the recipient of a $200,000 grant from St. Luke's University Health Network, which will be used to help pay for a new fire truck. The new fire truck will cost approximately $400,000, and there were extensive negotiations, obviously, that went into the purchase of this vehicle that's very much needed by the local volunteer fire department. St. Luke's has long been a benefactor, in a way, of Fountain Hill Borough. It's the largest, certainly the largest property owner in the borough. Although it's a nonprofit organization, it sort of dominates the skyline and the borough in in other ways. It's been there longer than the borough, as a matter of fact. So over the years, the hospital and the borough have had a very close relationship. I think this shows that it's a very solid and positive relationship. Fountain Hill Borough Manager Tony Branco certainly deserves credit for the work he did on facilitating the donation, and he spoke about that at a borough council meeting earlier this week. He obviously thanks St. Luke's, uh, as does the fire department. The new fire truck is expected to be delivered sometime next year, and that'll be an exciting, an exciting event for sure. We look forward to covering that. In business news, there is a new restaurant for you to check out in downtown Coopersburg. And interestingly, this new restaurant has a connection to the Coopersburg Volunteer Fire Company. The name of the restaurant is Good Jake's, which is a reference to firefighting in the World War one era, and that was something that that I wasn't aware of. I wasn't familiar with that term. This restaurant opened at 13 South Main Street, which is basically next to the fire company. It's been opened by Springtown native Brenda Gutschall Katrutsos. She is actually a direct descendant of George Bachman, who established the Seven Star Hotel and Tavern in 1745, which was in the same spot that Good Jake's is located in today. How cool is that? And she's also a vocalist with the band Waterfront Blue. They're pretty well known in the area, and you can hear them performing regularly on the patio at Good Jake's, at least until the weather gets too cold. As far as the food, you'll find a variety of Greek and Italian specialties, along with contemporary American favorites. But there's definitely a Mediterranean uh, feel to their menu. And that's because the other owner is is also from the uh, Mediterranean area, Angelo Lucreus, who is originally from the island of Rhodes in Greece. So this sounds like my kind of menu, and I definitely look forward to checking it out. I hope you will too. And it's, it's awesome that they support the fire company there and their members. They always need a good meal to have energy to go out and fight those, those fires, which uh, hopefully don't, don't happen, but they need to be um, well-fed. 
in Hellertown, the Saucon Valley Farmer's Market continues, although their season is winding down. They will be open this Sunday, November 22nd. It's actually their official last day. However, they may continue on for a couple more weeks on a more limited basis with a smaller market for the next two weeks. Stay tuned. We'll uh, have updates for you next week about that. But uh, in the meantime, definitely head out and visit on Sunday. It's supposed to be nice weather. They're open from 9 to 1 next to the Hellertown Area Library. And you can peruse a variety of food and other vendors. Maybe pick up some ingredients for your Thanksgiving meal. There will also be live music this Sunday. Bill Eiling is performing. And the nonprofit vendor, or visitor rather, will be volunteers from the Bethlehem Food Co-op. They'll have a booth there, and later on in this episode, we'll be interviewing Carol Ritter from the Bethlehem Food Co-op, who will talk about that and about the co-op in general, what's happening with them at this point, and she has some pretty exciting news to share. So I know you're going to want to listen to our interview with Carol, and of course, stop by the market, say hi, get some information about membership at the Bethlehem Food Co-op. And if you're not familiar with what a, what a co-op is, they'll be happy to share that with you as well. In terms of COVID-19, that continues to be a, a major story every day, both here in Saucon Valley, in Pennsylvania, and around the country. Cases continue to increase at a dramatic rate. Nearly every day in Pennsylvania, there has been a new record number of cases reported. In terms of Saucon Valley, there was another case reported at the high school earlier in the week. This was the eighth case reported there since the start of the school year, and it came just a couple days after students returned from being learning remotely for two weeks, and that was because there were about five cases within a one-week period in late October. So that's a little unnerving (laughs) that there was another case that soon after students came back. However, it wasn't, certainly wasn't totally unexpected. And around the same time that was announced, District Superintendent Craig Butler announced that all three schools, the high school, the middle school, and the elementary school, will be closed for a week immediately following the Thanksgiving break. Now that is being done as a precaution because of the likelihood that many students will be around more people than they normally are during the Thanksgiving holiday, whether they're traveling or just staying local, but uh, seeing family and friends. Health officials are discouraging gatherings for Thanksgiving, but the reality is that it's going to be very difficult to control what people do Many people have pandemic fatigue at this point. This has been going on since March, and we're now at the end of November. I think in general, we're seeing less willingness to comply with uh, requests, mandates, whatever they're labeled as. Many people seem resistant. Many more people seem resistant to doing that at this point. I think that's understandable, but it's also concerning, Uh, especially when you look at the numbers every day, like I do. The hospital numbers are also increasing, both the number of people in intensive care and the number of people on ventilators due to COVID-19. 
And if you look at the information on the website COVID Act Now, which I often include in stories about the virus, you'll see that in some counties in Pennsylvania, they're close to being at capacity as far as the their ICU units. And that should be concerning to everybody at this point, because once that happens, it could mean real difficult restrictions. We can't have the hospitals overwhelmed or our, you know, we will have a real crisis. So hopefully people will do the right thing, you know, try and have a low-key holiday. At least you can enjoy it with your immediate family, enjoy some food, watch football, what have you. But, you know, the large gatherings, the lengthy uh, travel, this really doesn't seem to be the year that you would want to do that. In Philadelphia, they have taken a more extreme approach to the surge in cases this fall. Earlier in the week, the city announced that it was banning all indoor dining until at least January 1st, which is obviously going to hurt restaurants and bars in the city. However, they remain one of the harder hit areas in the state. All of their numbers are troubling. In addition to the dining ban, they've also closed gyms bowling alleys, a variety of facilities that I guess are associated with an increased risk of spread of the virus. And we have more information about that in the story that we published this week on Sock and Source. The other story we published was about rising case count in the 18015 zip code, which includes part of Lower Saucon Township. It also includes parts of Upper Saucon Township Salisbury Township, the city of Bethlehem, and all of Fountain Hill Borough. So there are about 33,000 residents in that zip code. And uh, in just a 24-hour period, there were 45 new cases uh, in the zip code. So that's a big increase. It's a much bigger increase than we were seeing just a month or two ago when the you know numbers maybe went up in the single digits every day in terms of new cases. Certainly in the Hellertown zip code, we're not seeing that kind of, of an increase, but it's also a smaller zip code overall in terms of the population within it. There have been over 200 confirmed cases in the 18055 zip code, which is Hellertown Borough and part of Lower Saucon Township and a small part of Williams and Springfield Townships. All this information is updated daily in the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Health's COVID-19 dashboard. We frequently link to that dashboard in our reporting. You can also Google COVID-19 dashboard Pennsylvania and access it that way. It's just another resource, uh, one of many that are available, and we try and check it every day. You can view all kinds of statistics within it, both at the state level and at the county level. So it's it's pretty interesting as far as the numbers go. Lastly, we wanted to on a, end on a positive note and talk about a couple of exciting holiday events that are coming up in the area. One of them is the Luminaria Night that benefits New Bethany Ministries every year. This year it will be held on December 12th. And what it is is a fundraiser for New Bethany, which is a shelter in Bethlehem. They provide a variety of services to individuals in need of food, shelter, 
assistance with the necessities of life. And um, they're a great organization. They've been around for many years. This fundraiser has been around for many years. It's grown in popularity, I think, because it, it's easy to get involved with. For a, a nominal donation, you uh, receive some paper bags with sand and luminary candles. And then what you do is you fill the bags with sand, put the candle inside, secure it in the sand, and then these um, become little glowing, almost like paper lanterns that people use to line their sidewalk. And there are several neighborhoods in Lower Saucon Township that have been participating in this for a number of years, like along Alice Drive is one. And uh, it's just a beautiful site. So if you want to get involved, they're always looking to expand this program. You'll find more information in our story about Luminary uh, Night uh, on Sock and Source. And lastly, we wanted to update you on Hellertown's traditional kickoff to the holiday season, which is Light Up Night. This year, instead of Light Up Night, what is being held is called a Holiday Weekend Extravaganza. And this is going to be a combination of online and drive-through events rather than the one-night big event in Dimmick Park. This will be held over three days, November 29th, November 28th rather, November 29th and November 30th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Of course, this is presented by the Hellertown Lower Saucon Chamber of Commerce. First night will be the tree lighting ceremony, and that is uh, brought to you with support from a variety of sponsors, including presenting sponsor Mobile Technology Graphics. It will be broadcast live at 7 p.m. on the Hellertown Lower Saucon Chamber of Commerce's Facebook page. And there is a Facebook event for that, so definitely um, follow the event to get a notification about it. And then the following day is a drive-through called uh, Lights in Morris J. Dimmick Park. That's from 6 to 8 p.m. on Saturday, November 28th. The park will be decorated with beautiful lights. You'll see Santa Claus, other characters associated with the holidays there. You'll be given goodies as you go through the, the park, remaining in your vehicle. There will also be free holiday coupon booklets that each vehicle will receive full of great local offers from local businesses. It's a great reminder to shop local this holiday season. Lastly, on Sunday, November 29th, the Chamber has planned a Sit Down with Santa program in partnership with sponsor David Heinzelman and family. Mr. Heinzelman is a big fan of Santa, as we all know. And from 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., families will be able to have a virtual sit-down with Santa and let him know what's on their Christmas lists. So in order to do that, you do have to register in advance for a time slot. There's no charge. However, they are accepting donations on behalf of the Chamber's scholarship fund, which benefits students in the Saucon Valley School District. So that's a win-win. I think... It's going to be a popular thing with the kids. We adults maybe need to like forget that it's different and just focus on the fact that it's really for kids and that they're going to enjoy seeing Santa one way or the other, whether he's, you know, in the flesh or, you know, on the screen. The main thing is that they get a chance to talk to him. Definitely think about registering for a time slot for that. 
And uh, yeah, it's right around the corner, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and it's going to be different this year. There's no doubt about it, but it's uh, great that everybody's making the best of the situation. The bottom line is that there's still going to be joy in the season, and we have to turn lemons into lemonade and, you know, make it make it the best that we can, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. So that is the news roundup for this week. And next we have our interview with Carol Ritter. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service, and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source, which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options, including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels, and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so, and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online, and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members, and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure this week to welcome our special guest, Carol Ritter, who's here to talk about the Bethlehem Food Co-op and all the exciting things they have going on. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. <laughs> I am too. I Some people, maybe a few people know this, I my family sort of has a background in food co-ops. My dad, Andy helped manage and eventually ran the original Bethlehem Food Co-op, which was like 40 years ago and on the south side of Bethlehem we sort of grew up going there a lot being around natural foods and so to me the concept of a co-op a food co-op isn't foreign but I wanted to sort of begin the interview by explaining that because it might not be familiar to some people you want to explain what that is absolutely well the Bethlehem food co-op is a will be we're going to open a full service grocery store and that grocery store is going to be dedicated primarily to sourcing local healthy food. But a co-op is much more than a grocery store because we get involved in social issues and we want to help the underserved community. We want to be actively involved in helping them learn actually about healthy eating. And we've been doing that for a number of years. We have run education classes at the community college 
at Dunnegan Elementary School and other schools too, I can't think of them right now, but we've been very actively teaching the community about healthy eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, there certainly is, there are issues with access to affordable, healthy food in mm-hmm. places like Bethlehem. I live in Fountain Hill. We don't have like a real grocery store really anywhere close by. And Mm -hmm. and these areas are called food deserts. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, you have a lot of corner stores where you can buy like soda and snacks and things like that. But as far as like nice produce, that's Mm -hmm. sort of become a rarity uh, in the inner city area. So that's one exciting thing that, that you'll be able to help with. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the other piece of it is... We want our store to be walkable for many citizens. Right. So that's why it's going to be located in downtown Bethlehem somewhere. Uh, it's We haven't announced the location yet. Our board of directors knows the location. We are still in negotiations. Right. But uh, we have some wonderful partners. We have so many people in this community involved. I think right now we just... We're at uh, somewhere around 735 members, which our goal is to have 800 by the end of the year. We're very active nationally with the national cooperative groups, and they recommend that we have 1,000 members when we open the store. Mm -hmm. Now, usually when you announce that you have a location, you get a lot more members because people are like, this is really going to happen. Right. (laughs) And... uh, and it is really going to happen. We have a, a wonderful group of people working with us, including the city of Bethlehem. The mayor is a member. Almost all of the city council people are a member. Mm-hmm. Uh, our local politicians are members of the co-op. They want this to happen. They believe in it, and they know that it's a. it will be good for Bethlehem, and we'd love it to see it become a destination. Right, right. <laughs> now, I know that the organization has been around for a few years at least 2011 i believe okay so probably when you started it you didn't think nine years later you'd still be you know <laughs> right. finalizing a location mm-hmm. what were, what are some of the challenges that have come up well uh, first of all every year we have board elections so the board of directors changes mm-hmm. i think that's a challenge has been a challenge from time to time the other a couple other challenges there aren't a lot of properties in downtown Bethlehem that could hold a grocery store of that size. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking full service, so and sourcing as much local as possible, but obviously we can't grow lemons in Pennsylvania. So, <laughs> <laughs> so right. um, that has been a challenge. I think also thinking back on some of the things that, that we've come up against, of course, COVID has been a major challenge for us. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We made lemonade out of lemons. Instead of having big events, which is what one of the things we used to do, we used to run event membership events. Let's say a place like Social Still would host the event, and we would invite the community, and we'd invite our members. And actually, those events went on for about three years, and they brought us together as a community because we were seeing each other on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you started to build those relationships, and those relationships really turn into hard work and volunteerism and things like that so uh, we did that for quite a while and so people would come to the social still and social still would provide a little bit of food the owners of social still are members they'd come in and the folks would buy beverages and so on and then if you joined that night the social still would give you a thank you gift hmm. that night so 
we hope to continue that at some point. But of course, right now with COVID, we're not able to do that. So what we did was we went out to the community outside. We went to the farmer's markets. We have someone on our board who's very passionate about membership. And she started at the Bethlehem Rose Garden Farmer's Market and now at Saucon Valley Farmer's Market. Right. You're going to be at Saucon Valley Farmer's yes. Market this Sunday, Sunday yes. November 22nd. The market is open from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and it's at the Hellertown Area Library. This is actually the last Sunday of this season. Yes, so it it's, that's another <laughs> reason to come out, buy some, some goodies for Thanksgiving. But you're going to have an information booth there. Yes. People can stop by and ask questions and, mm-hmm. and learn more about the plan and obviously sign up to become members. And of course, you can join online. We just launched a brand new website, which we're very excited about. You can join online or you can... And I'm almost sure that every week we've been at the farmer's market, we've received members because of that. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, people who go to farmer's markets are the same people who are going to shop in our store. Right. You know, they care about healthy eating. They care about locally sourced food. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'd go one step further and say they care about the community. Right. And being there probably helps you find producers Absolutely. That, that you're going to fill the store with. Right. Yeah, the website is BethlehemFood.coop. It's a really nice, easy-to-navigate website. You can sign up for your newsletter, which is Mm -hmm. called The Sprout, on the website. So everybody (laughs) should do that. I love that name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to sign up for that. And then there's information about volunteering, upcoming events, recipes. We have a committee called MOVE. And that's chaired by a gentleman by the name of Joe, and he's always looking for volunteers. And of course, during this time, it's been a little challenging, but like as an example, last Christmas, we we wanna do things for families. So we set up gingerbread making houses in one of the local elementary schools, and we partnered with them, and we buy all the supplies and things. And they're doing it this year, but I think they're gonna do sort of like a curbside. That we'll provide and you'll go home and do it at home. So seriously, you know, as as much of a struggle as COVID is, we found ways. Mm -hmm. We found safe ways. You know, I'd encourage your listening audience to stay safe, but safe ways to participate. Right. And that's that's reassuring to hear that because I know it has hurt many well established nonprofit organizations. And you're sort of still moving towards this final goal Mm -hmm. so and we have to raise money i mean it's you know we're going to have a capital campaign there's no doubt about it but currently the city has given us i think about one hundred and sixty thousand dollars towards the project we last week received a grant of thirty thousand dollars from a a grantor a national grantor who i believe our grant writer wrote that and we have a grant writer we have we just hired a project manager we are moving forward and it's right now we're on the uh, we're heading towards home run 2021 is you gonna, got it gonna be the year <laughs> okay and we're definitely going to report on that on sock and source once, there you go. once the big announcement is is here i wanted to circle back quickly you, you mentioned social still and that's just sort of like put an put a thought in my head. Are co-ops able to sell like locally produced wine and beer and things like that? Well, actually, it's interesting you would ask because we've already looked into it, and the answer is yes. We've worked with Senator Boscola's office to find out what 
the, the laws are in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we would like to do that, absolutely. It just makes sense because we have so many wonderful breweries around here. And... I believe, and I don't want to misquote anyone, but I believe, because uh, I haven't looked back at my notes lately, but I believe you're allowed to have one brewery and one winery okay. in Pennsylvania. Interesting. It's something like that. And then, so we absolutely want to look into that. And Pennsylvania's liquor laws have been evolving. So that yeah. might evolve yes. too as, mm-hmm. as co-ops become more more widespread. And, and as far as the rest of the store goes, you're going to have like little departments. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So produce. Right. Generally speaking, and I've been to a number of co-ops. Generally speaking, when you walk in the door, you see all the produce. So we're going to have big produce department, I'm sure, but there'll be a meat counter. There'll be everything a store has, you know, uh, we'll have the dry goods, frozen foods, things of that nature. Right now, we certainly want to have grab and go. Grab and go is the big thing, especially now with COVID. We wanted grab and go before this. We just don't know how we're going to do it yet, but that is something. But see, once we hire, the next step is once we sign the contract, which that's what we're very close to. Once we sign the contract, then in a reasonable amount of time after that, we'll be looking for a general manager, and he'll be the one making those decisions. And then we turn into more of a governance board once we hire a general manager. Right. You're not going to be involved in the day-to-day type no. operations. Mm-hmm. Not, no, I don't, not at all. Right. That's, that's interesting. Because, I, yeah, I'm, I've been to a few myself. I remember going to one in, in part of... Philadelphia that mm-hmm. was really vibrant. Way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> that oh, I still think about that that store. I was to the one that is in a little neighborhood. Was that the one you were at or the bigger yeah. one? There's they It had... was a neighborhood store. My aunt and uncle lived in West Mount Airy and I think and it was close to there and you went in and just it was like being in Europe kind of <laughs> yeah. I don't know how else to explain. The fresh it. bread. Mm-hmm. You know, I yes. Very yeah. cozy. I think that's the one I was in. And I loved it. I just loved it. And I actually, the day I was there, because I was, you know, working for the co-op and working with the co-op at the time, I said to this woman, because she just seemed so joyful, and I said, why do you like this place? She goes, I come here every day. She said, I don't have to get a big order anymore. I come out of my house, and I walk, and I get what I need, and I carry it home. And Mm -hmm. she said, I just love it here. (laughs) Right. It's a totally different... It's a community. It's really a community grocery store. Right. Right. Well, if if that's your model, then I'll be there day one for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and people really have to sort of, you know, maybe go outside their their traditional thought processes about buying food because mm-hmm. we're so the idea of like driving to the grocery store, getting a huge cart, it's so ingrained in right. in our culture. And this is different. Mhm. It's very different and I do believe that uh, the the location will be really fabulous for people who need to walk to the store. Also, we're on a bus route, so we make sure that, that we can, like I said, we want to work with the underserved population. My mother used to live in uh, the Moravian house before she passed away, and she, uh, we found out, just being on the co-op, involved in the co-op one day, that a high percentage of the people living in that the Moravian building were eating at the Sunoco across the street and what? you know you know what the Sunoco I'm not a, against the Sunoco or anything but you're not going to get a, a health healthy diet preserved it's going to be high sodium high and that 
so even with the senior group in this in this community teaching them about healthy healthy eating because I know they have buses that come and take them other places so we're hoping they'll shop in our store also right yeah no, that's and that's keep a in mind point. affordable is an important part too most co-ops have a lot of your staples will have less of a margin than than in a normal grocery store mm. so that it is affordable to folks right because we we hear about that too i mean you you really almost have to spend more money to eat healthily than you know if you bought fast food in some cases like one apple is like three dollars right. now or so, something crazy <laughs> right. like that well think about it though i mean realistically i made a commitment when i had children that I don't, it's a, I know what I need to budget for food. And that budget is, is higher on my list than anything that is things I don't need. I can't live without food. I can't live without air. I can't live without water. Mm -hmm. So I want clean water, and Bethlehem's a good place to live for clean water. Right. And uh, I actually never bought baby food. I made all my own food. Wow. I grew a lot of it, and then I, I made baby food and ice cube trays. And, uh, <laughs> That's a great uh, idea. It was just something that meant a lot to me, always meant a lot to me. What you put in your body mm -hmm. is what you will get out of it. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of grew up with that same ideology, and, and Dad always had a big garden. And, and yeah, um, I, I agree with that completely. Well... I'm very excited to hear the next the next big announcement, which will hopefully be, you know, sometime next year. I hope yes, we we hope we're gonna get there. We're working very hard, working with the developers, and I hope we we hope we'll have an announcement before the end of the year. We don't mm -hmm. we can't say for sure, but right, we're ready to go. Right, wonderful. Well, just to reiterate, for people that want to find more information and become a member, visit BethlehemFood.coop. And you're also on Facebook, of course. Oh, yes. Instagram. Yes. Twitter. Right. Everything. Follow, follow you on the social media platforms to receive updates and consider volunteering. And certainly, if you're in the Hellertown, Saucon Valley area, stop by the booth on Sunday and you're going to get some some uh, really useful information and and we're having our meetings right now on zoom so and the community as well as the members are invited to those meetings right and i should also mention too that there's information on how to become a vendor on the website yes. if you are a local right. producer of you know grower whatever that might be something you want to check out so thank you for joining us oh, carol very welcome thank you it was fun <laughs> We've been recording No Rain Dates since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at sockandsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. 
So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening.